Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we explore customer perceived value, the secret inside of business, the one thing that's going to determine whether your business is a screaming success or an abject failure. I'm Mark Bounty, and I'm here to tell you that the purpose of your business is to generate more customer perceived value than it costs you to deliver. And that leads us to today's topic, pricing and discounting. A couple of months back, I released a blog post, which was one of my most successful and most favorably responded to ever. And that was five myths about price and discounting. And I wanted to talk about those myths here in my podcast. And of course, as you listen to these, you'll start to gather just how much of a value-based pricing fan I am. And unfortunately, I also think you're going to see how prevalent some of these myths are. So without any further ado, let's talk about those myths. Myth number one, that price should be related to your costs. Um, I was just talking to a friend who is uh, in the middle of selling his business and he was being acquired by a large corporation. One of the interviews he had with the executives of this acquiring company was the vice president or some executive of the pricing function. And this pricing executive asked him, you know, what kind of discipline do you use around pricing? And this executive, who's a kindred uh, spirit of mine, talked about, well, you know, the first thing you should know about my pricing is that I don't believe it should be related to cost. And this pricing guy um, just about had a conniption because this executive bought into the myth that pricing should be related to your costs. Now, in that person's defense, certainly you want to make sure that your prices cover your costs. And that goes back to you know the uh, statement at the beginning, you should produce more value than it costs you to deliver. And that's all true, but your costs should not be what sets your price. Your costs should set a floor or a minimum acceptable price, but they should have nothing to do with the price discussions that you have with your customers. Not buying it yet? Let's try this experiment. Let's say you are going to a customer and you're trying to make a sale and you tell that customer, oh, I'm sorry, my costs are just too high. I've got to raise my price. Will that customer ever really respond to you and say, oh, sure, whatever you want, whatever price makes you comfortable, let me know. Of course not. Your costs are none of your customer's business. So if it's true on that end of the scale where you're not making any money, how come it's true to anybody on the other end of the scale where you are making money? Your costs are none of your customer's business. End of story. So that's the myth. The reality is that your price should be set by your value your value to your customer. And we'll talk about that more throughout this podcast series. So moving on to myth number two, dropping your price increases demand. 
Well, this myth is taught in economics classes the world over, and that's even taught up through college level. And that it is based on the demand curve, which is a mathematical model. And here's the dirty little secret of that demand curve. The mathematical model is built on some underlying assumptions. In other words, the math of that demand curve you learned about works because the math assumes that all consumers have all information about all products all the time. It's known in economics as the perfect information hypothesis. That's certainly a goofy in the real world. Um, the second thing is all buying decisions are made without emotion. The third is price means nothing. Price does not communicate value. If you look at an expensive pair of jeans, you think it's worth more than a cheap pair of jeans because of the price. And that's just not true under the economic mathematical models. Um, price doesn't communicate value in the demand curve. Next assumption. There is no differentiation. There's no such thing as differentiation. All commodities are fungible and replaceable and perfect substitutes for all other commodities. It's like sand. Well, I guess sand even has difference. Gasoline. No, we think there's differences in gasoline. It's uh, some mythical commodity that is, that is uh, perfectly substitute for everything else. And... Your whole reason for being in business is that you're different and you're better in some way. So the math of the demand curve depends on, the, the shape of the demand curve depends on a whole bunch of underlying assumptions to make the math work. And if those underlying assumptions are no good, maybe the shape of the demand curve for your particular commodity, your particular offer, your particular product or service might not behave the same way. Um, one of the significant things, using a price that declares value. Price, if you drop the price or if you bid low, a prospective customer might actually think that you're worth less. Um, I recently watched this happen with a company in the professional services industry. When they would make uh, get an engagement with a client, they would regularly find that their service had an ROI, a return on investment, in the hundreds of percent, 500% in the first year. So the client would make five times as much profit as they spent with this company um, in, in professional services. And they uh, went under new management that started discounting heavily. Clients started wondering if that ROI promise was real or not. And so rather than having a strong, relying on their strong record of ROI and return delivery and improved company client performance, um, they actually poisoned themselves and poisoned their own reputation through dropping. And they kept on missing revenue numbers quarter after quarter. Why do you suppose that is? They assumed that by dropping price, they would increase demand. And it just wasn't true in the real world. So that's myth number two. Myth number three, price is just another feature. It's no more or less important than any other feature. Um, 
back in my less mature days, I got into a, uh, a LinkedIn discussion. It wasn't quite a flame war with somebody who said, well, price is just a feature. You trade that off. When the other features aren't there, you just uh, trade off price. And price is not just another feature. It is the feature against which everything else, all the rest of the value of your offer is compared. Um, perceptually and in consumer behavior, a prospective customer will look at the value of your offer, then look at the price of your offer. And if the price is greater than the value, you don't get the sale. If the value is greater than the price, you do get the sale. Uh, in, in, and of course, that value is customer perceived. Customer perceived value greater than price. Customer perceived value less than price. And we're going to have a, a great podcast about that whole word perceived um, in the future. So hang on tight. But psychologically, price is not just another feature. It is the counterbalance against all the other features. So if you treat price like it's just one more thing to be traded off, you miss the reality of it. And so many times we, I see salespeople giving up on price because they haven't sold the value of all of the rest of their offer. And that's lazy selling and that's just I think it's an excuse by sales lazy salespeople to say price is just another feature when I haven't when I don't sell the other stuff hard enough, don't sell my other value hard enough, I can just make up for it with price. And man, that nothing grinds my gears more than that. Ready for myth number 4? Myth number 4 is ah, we can make it up on volume. I love this one. It assumes uh, uh, it's basically a mathematical argument that says by increasing the unit volume at a lower per unit profit margin or contribution margin, you'll not only get back to break even, but you'll get further above break even, um, ignoring the fact that you're working a lot harder to get there. And let's you know stop for a second and saying you're going to work harder for about the same amount of money, unless you get over break even, then you're still working harder for a little bit more money. Um, but let's get back to that math argument. So it assumes that your fixed costs aren't gonna rise too. So let's think that through. Say you're um, a manufacturing leader and you need to double your plant's capacity because your company and your sales team decided to make it up on volume. So that maths assume you're going to accomplish twice as much work, build twice as much product using the same plant, the same equipment, the same staff, the same utility bills, the same administrative costs. And let me ask you this. How many seconds of business school does it take to sniff out the fallacy there? Sure. In some infinite universe with infinite number of possible realities, one of those realities contains um, a world in which that might actually happen, but it's not our world and it's not happening in this dimension. Um, actually, McKinsey and Company actually um, years ago analyzed every company in the Fortune 1000 and they found that a 1% drop in price would lead to an average of 8% drop in profit. And that's because at that time that they did the study, the average 
pre-tax profit uh, of the Fortune 1000 was 12%. Uh, some folks, uh, Mara and Roriello, in, uh, did another study a different time. At Har in, they published it in Harvard Business Review, and they used an even larger sample. Uh, but they found that a 1% drop in price would, would produce an 11% drop in profit. So if you are one of the disciples of the drop your price and make it up on volume, how much do you discount before down becomes up? I just don't think it happens. Um, one guy I, I went to in a course in my very young days said, well, the percentage increase in volume that you need in order to make it up on volume, it's, it's only a 1% increase. And then he wrote on his chalkboard, because that's how long ago, it was, well, long ago it was, it was on a chalkboard, and he wrote the one digit, infinity. Um, mathematically, that may not be true for every case, but it's pretty darn true. And when price communicates value, you can't count on making it up on volume. You can't count on that many people still believing your product is worth what it used to be when the price was higher. Using what we know about consumer psychology and the fact that price declares value, on a case-by-case -case basis, you might need to drop price, but if you do that across the board to increase volume, you're basically injuring your value proposition. You are punching yourself in the face trying to win the fight. And that's not good. So myth number five, you can discount one time or for a limited time. I think we all know that that's BS. Um, the limited time offer from any reputable company or with any decent negotiator means that that offer lives a lot longer than the limited time that you meant it to. And as soon as that happens, now you've trained your customers to expect some discounts and things start falling apart in a big hurry. Customers assume that the one-time discounts are gonna be periodic discounts. Oh, they happen at the end of every month, at the end of every quarter, at the end of every year. I'll just wait till then and I'll get that same pricing. Or, geez, I couldn't order just before the end of the year, but you're going to offer that to me now, aren't you? And you've trained customers, and every customer knows from every other one of your competitors and everybody else in your industry that a discount doesn't really expire. So once you've trained your customers to expect your discounts, now you are stuck in a downward spiral. It's really tough to untrain your customers that you're a discounting whore. And I'll say, yeah, you're a discount whore. Uh, I watched a company that went down that path. Um, then they actually, uh, profitability tanked. They were sold to a, a new owner. And I don't even know what the new owner is thinking because they're either going to have to walk that long, hard slog of training a whole bunch of customers to no longer expect discounts, and that's going to actually take years, or they're going to have to figure out how to make money at these horribly discounted prices. So discounting for a one is never a one-time thing in today's world. So that's myth number five. Uh, and I have an extra value bonus. Haha, <laughs> value bonus. Um, and that is 
the myth that says, if the customer says your price is too high, that must be true. I've been known to tell my clients that while I don't think a good salesperson should be a selective listener, there's one sort of exception, is that when a customer tells you your price is high, I want you to rewire your brain so that you hear your value is too low. Because if you respond to a customer who says your price is too high, as if they said your value is too low, you're going to have about the right kind of conversation, the kind of conversation you should be having. Price, as we said before, is the counterbalance against all the other value that you offer. And if the customer says your price is too high, that's because they don't see the, the rest of your value. And there can be a couple reasons why people say your price is too high. One is they don't know your value yet. Um, another thing I'm commonly known for saying is that if somebody took the time and effort to tell you your price is too high, rather than just ignoring you or ghosting you, they want to have a conversation about your price. They want to have a conversation about your value. So do them the favor of answering them with what they're really asking for. And that is understand, help them understand your value. Now, if this happens late in the sales cycle, it can be very difficult to explore any value and uncover any new value. You've got to tell them typically about the value you've already uncovered during discovery. Um, a few will let you discover and uncover new value, and that's because they desperately want to work with you for some reason. Um, and maybe you need to know what that is because that could be some value in itself. But they do want to know value. If they've said your price is too high, um, they typically want to be able to justify it and want to know why and want to know what differences you offer and what those differences are worth to them. And as I said, if they really thought your price was too high, you would never hear from them again. You would be ghosted. So take courage and take heart in any situation where a customer has told you, uh, I need to talk about your price or I'm worried about your price or your price is too high because that should be a good sign. So those are the myths about price and discounting. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you come back to the Value Clarity Podcast where we remind you that value is all in your customer's mind, which means that your success is all in your customer's head. Well, it ain't easy because value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're going to drive both of you insane. And if you ignore your customer's outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues because you'll be singing those old don't know value blues. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.